Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. No need to travel to Barsoom. Welcome to the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. I'm on shrooms, and I'm in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. I'm Pete. Don't don't lie to us. Oh, uh, you are on shrooms. We're all on shrooms here because we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 5 of Doom Patrol, titled Paw Patrol. Very exciting. Everybody loves Paw Patrol, and this was a direct adaptation. Great crossover. Yeah. Huge. Uh, what do you think about this, Justin? Before we get into any recap, you're a big Paw Patrol fan. You saw the movie in theaters. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, I just love the idea of um, dogs finally stepping up and doing human stuff. It's a, and we've they've they've been our uh, t- we've taken care of them for far too long. It's time mm-hmm. that they started taking care of us. Yeah, that's honestly what I'm hoping in my old age is for just a bunch of dogs to take care of me, you know? I signed up for one of those old age care facilities where it's just dogs working there. Yeah, you've been trying to sign up for old age care for a number of years (laughs) since you turned 30, right? Pretty much. They won't let me. They keep being like, please, sir, you're too young and beautiful. (laughs) Wow. They call you Bedpan is your nickname, right? (laughs) Ever since Kyle. (laughs) It's a real Sawyer type thing. Hey there, Bedpan. That's good. Sawyer from Lost. I like that you say Sawyer from Lost, I'm assuming. <laughs> and you assume we know exactly what you mean. And I will say we do, but yes. that's a long, that's a dusty ref, bedpan. Or, oh, can I set up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Alex? Come over. I'll take care of you. Great. So this is the second of the two-parter that Doom Patrol is doing, which is called out at a certain point by Mr. Nobody in the episode. The D-Creator has come to Earth. Turns out he was, in fact, a left eyeball. I knew it! I knew it! And let's remember, I haven't seen any of this, so the fact that a right eye appeared, Pete, in your eye. Yeah. In your perfectly evenly sized eye. I'll tell you what, I definitely have been thinking about that since we taped the last episode. And Pete, you know that eyeballs are different, right? Like they're not these round circles with a dot in the middle that cartoons have. Uh, I don't know. Well, I will say, Alex, actually, eyeballs are, are similar. It's the eyes itself, the shape of the eye that's different. Yes. What? You're correct. Yeah. Yeah, the shape of the eyes I- are different. What? Pete, have you ever looked someone in the eyes? No. Are you? Are you? I'm not going to start now. <laughs> That's why they call him Shifty LePage. 
Yep. Shifty and bedpan. Gotta go take a podcast <laughs> with Shifty and bedpan. So, uh, let's actually keep going through this recap. So, the decreator has come to Earth, is in fact decreating everything. The residents of Doom Manor are trying to stop it. And in fact, it all comes down to Niles Calder, who's being tortured by Morden, aka uh, Mr. Nobody. They team up together, change Jane's history so that one of her personalities starts a new cult to create the recreator. Turns out to be a dog, hence the title of the episode, Paw Patrol. And they do manage to have two eyeballs in the sky. We don't necessarily get resolution there. They're just kind of having a staring contest with each other towards the end of the episode. Um, and then at the very end, we find out a lot more about Jane's history, what went on with her, uh, ending with a big, interesting line, what the fuck is the Doom Patrol? Which is probably something the viewers are also wondering five episodes in, potentially. Yep. Well, I, that was, I thought that was a very funny way to end it. Because, it, of course, we are like, I love the Doom Patrol. But they don't know they're the Doom Patrol. Only right. we know that. Uh, yeah. So that was really cool. And Mr. Nobody and, knows it. Yeah. He knows everything. I've Watching this episode, I was like, this Mr. Nobody is going to be very difficult to beat. Mm -hmm. He's got them figured out. Well, there is a key there. Uh, first of all, it's great to have him back. And I love yes. all the meta commentary on oh. the episode. Uh, the I mean, there were so many lines to write down, but just the thing like we were saying, uh, he gets frustrated because he's like, I haven't been on this show for two episodes. Two episodes, yeah. We're not so ending close. this now. I've got a lot more <laughs> stuff to do. But as Niles points points out to him when they're talking, there is stuff that he doesn't know. Like, he doesn't know about the D-Creator, and he doesn't know how to stop the D-Creator. So even though he seems to be crawling trolling the story, there's certainly some gaps there, which points to, potentially, Justin, the way that they could beat him. And this is without spoilers, I'm just saying in terms of this episode. Yeah, well, and it seems like the Doom Patrol is the weakness, um, because they're a little bit... And that's why I feel like this episode did sort of crystallize a little bit of what the, the team is, and this is the fifth episode, to like have them be these people that are actually very powerful, all of them, but they're held back by their own, the tragedies of their lives. And if they can just work to get past them, then maybe they're going to be a really powerful force. And in this, it's more Calder really working Jane through over the course of, you know, 40 years or whatever um, to be able to be, to create the recreator and save the world. This episode on the 40 years bed really drove back to me the idea of like, how old are these characters and why do they're they old. not age? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Pete. Hey, how you doing? All right, thanks. Good. You just been a little quiet. I wanted to see how you were doing and kind of check in with you. Yeah, sorry, it. we're on pee patrol this week, and we gotta check in with old Shifty. <laughs> anything you want to say about anything that we're uh, bringing up? Well, you know, we're still in the recap portion where I'm not allowed to talk, so I want. No, we're to past the recap. We're portion. fully oh, past recap. Okay. We're talking past for a while. Oh, this okay. is. We should mention we're taping this one a little early in the morning. We interrupted Pete halfway through eating his BEC. You all know that what that is. I'm not going to specify. So <laughs> yeah. he's he's I only got that, and I was eating know. it. Yeah, you don't know what yeah. a BEC is. Now I do. Yeah, they a, explained it to me, but it's more of a it's more of a big. Day. It's a New York thing. It's a big elephant cock. And Pete was halfway through his. <laughs> big New York thing. You've heard that thing about the old men, right? Like all the blind old men and they're filling around. And 
I'm more they of a <laughs> what? I'm more of a hand no, guy myself. No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, now you don't want to finish your analogy or your what, what is that? A bunch of polite hands are feeling around and they're like, oh, I feel uh, it's some sort of mushroom. <laughs> um, big mushroom. Big mushroom. It's a portobello. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's enough checking with Pete for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so this episode all about Jane. We get to learn. Um, we don't really learn too much more about her, but we just see a series of awful things that have happened to her. Yeah, very. And she's tough to watch, man. Some real triggering yeah. shit there. I mean, you got to. Uh, that's that's some real uh, horrible uh, abuse of power going on there. Well, and she's been controlled her whole life in institutions and manipulated. And that's sort of what's happening here with Calder and, and Mr. Nobody, too, because they, while they are sort of her savior, or Calder's her savior at the end, they do use her to create the recreator here. And in a way, she's just this pawn that is always being moved to where she needs to be for other people's goals. Yeah, and that, but for this goal, it's to save the world. So it's like, you know... You, you you hate to see somebody be be used, but you know I think it's something that you know if we, there was enough time to kind of sit her down and explain, I think she would agree to. Well, also she doesn't necessarily need seem to mind. She likes be or Doctor Harrison at least likes being in this role where she is creating this cult. It's certainly a very fun montage sequence as she works with these insane asylum patients, and they keep coming up with crazy ideas. That yeah, the the whole dog thing was just fun. Like I like dogs. You know, like just fun. But I want to take it back to the beginning as I normally do. Uh, we get to see like this fun kind of like Jane being Jane moment, you know, the the void in New Jersey, 1977. That's really fun. And like yeah. punks. You were there. Uh, no, no, I was one. Can we take it you. back actually a little uh, further? Because one of my favorite parts of the episode is when I sat down on the couch and I like pulled the cover up a little bit, had a oh, steaming cup adorable. of cocoa next to me with a big marshmallow in it. Wow, you it really was, treated again, yourself. I really did. Well, again, good, classic I'm... bedpan, cozy <laughs> blanket and cocoa to watch his TV. Uh, I'm glad we're taking it back farther because what was nice about the previously on is we got the Nurnheim sucks moment uh, by Cliff. Just a classic fun Cliff moment of just like summing up everything in one kind of funny line. Um. I feel like I'm traveling in time backwards. Uh, we do get her shirt um, when she's in the punk club, the void. It says time travel fuck missile, which I think is a sets up her role in the episode really nicely. Yeah, a little foreshadowing there. Well, what do you think? I mean, let's get into this a little bit because like you're saying, Pete, this does set her up as a counterculture into punk culture, all these things that we do already. But at the same time, that doesn't seem to be what Jane actually wants, potentially, as a person, I would posit. Do you guys agree with that? Do you feel like she does want something more? Is she not actually a punk? Or is this something that fulfills her? Well, you think she's into folk rock. Mm -hmm. As as the resident cop of the podcast, I want to ask you, like... Uh, for a second in the, Can you know, be- before she gets hit in the head by the uh, <laughs> cop's uh, uh, bully stick there, the the moment after she's screaming and then everybody screams with her was just such a fun kind of like uh, Jane moment of like, yeah, this is great. I'm 
I'm having fun. And then it's over quickly and then gets really bad from there. Um, but yeah, we don't, I mean, that's the thing. There are so many different people inside of Jane. We don't know what would bring her happiness because everybody's got a different opinion. When I feel like she's going maybe to this uh, club to just like get some of her anger out. Like she's there to, to push people around, get into a fight. I mean, I don't know if she, she's definitely counter establishment. She's raging against something here and it's you know, the powers that have been controlling her. I don't know if she's necessarily like, I love the punk scene. I can't wait for post-punk pop to really come through so I can have a laugh or whatever. Um, were you guys ever into sort of the mosh uh, pit universe, bedpan? Oh, I, I, I love Green Day. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. Famous mosh. Yeah. Uh, P? Oh, uh, you know, as an angsty teen, sure, I got myself in some pits, you know, big black boots stomping around, sure. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, definitely not. That is, I was scared of mosh pits. Go ahead, Justin. Oh, true nightmare. I didn't. I did some uh, crowd surfing. Was um, very mm. fun. K Rockathon, upstate New York. Wow, I was there. Nice. <laughs> I mostly stayed to Britney Spears concerts and Insane and stuff like that. Not a lot of mosh pits going on there. Mm-hmm. Very wow. And how old were you? Sorry, just real quick in this um, time. Forty-five. <laughs> uh, Justin, what were, were you, did you go over to Darien Lake for any of those uh, concerts, or where were you? Where was your uh, venue of choice? Uh, I mean, the uh, uh, K Rockathon was at uh, Vernon Downs. Oh yeah, Vernon dude. Downs, kid. Yeah. yeah, right by the. It was on the racetrack. Right by the track. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, this, we're just doing some upstate, upstate New York. Yeah. but it's a real axe went there we need to get uh, another we need to get another long island boy on this podcast is what's going on so we can talk about the jones beach amphitheater the real venue you go to if you want the primo concerts you know britney spears and sink etc yeah bedpan call up your friends viagra and uh i did go to a lotion i did go to a new orleans jazz fest once at uh jones beach amphitheater is that the same sort of thing no. I, you are proving your nickname true in ways I couldn't have ever imagined. Yeah, you couldn't write this better. Than 100%. Yeah. One big revelation, though, that I think we should talk about with Jade, and I'm a little hesitant to talk about because it does get into some spoilers coming down the road, but we get a lot of talk about who is K. Who is K that comes mm-hmm. up during the interrogation scene, torture slash torture scene with Dr. Bertrand. Um, the name comes up a couple of times, I believe, when Cliff and it's Hammerhead that she's he's with. Uh, Hammerhead and also Penny And Penny Farthing. Yeah. Uh, K comes up again. So, Justin, do you have any theories there in terms of what your take is? And just so you know, like, I thought it was like men in black type of style, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with the initials and maybe the mind wiping kind of thing. But uh, oh, so you thought it was Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's who K was. Yeah. Wait, is Tommy Lee Jones J? No, J is Will Smith J. Will Smith is J. Okay. Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Great. I think um, I think K is sort of the original person the core personality that everything uh, sprang out of. Like we see- On their um, birth certificate, you think it says K is what you're saying? Well, K is a name. K is a name. Yeah, it's K-A-Y. That's how it's spelled. Yeah. Every kiss begins with K. Oh, I was gonna, you beat me to that, son of a- Every kiss begins with K is a great, great slogan. 
Shouts to the K Jeweler marketing team in 1910 or whenever they came up with that. <laughs> uh, but I have an Aunt K as well. So it's a real name. It's a real person. And I think that uh, she, um, that's where all of this came from. When in Nurnheim, when um, the crazy mom uh, reduces oh. Cliff to a brain and uh, that reduces was... Jane to a kid, I think that's K. And that's where her first sort of fracture maybe happened. Yeah. Do you, I think could, Oh, go ahead, Pete. I just want to say, like, the 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 fact that, like, we're getting uh, Nurnheim here with the mom and also the fact of, like, that actor has to play the dead dad for, like, so many scenes. Like, it's Dream kind role. of, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's so gross and hysterical at the same time. Uh, the fact that he's still sitting there is uh, pretty hilarious. I would love that. My, I would love to be a dead body on some show. Like, particularly like a law and order, they just are like, well, this man died horribly. Yeah. <laughs> and they he spilled a hot, very hot cocoa on him in front of his television. <laughs> it was great. We had to use no makeup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to be an actual dead body? I want, yes. I want, I want law and order to kill me. I'm wow. constantly going by their set and being like, kill me, daddy, to dick roll. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. He's um, always on set. Always yeah. on set. It was also the Very cool nice. that we got a uh, booger back for another uh, scene as the cockroach. As the cockroach, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Ezekiel talking about cheese with a rat and how you make cheese. Very fun scene. Very there. funny. Uh, I'm I very curious to... how this recurring, yeah. seems like a recurring character, uh, maybe folds into a uh, longer series or season-wide story. Right now, we don't know why that cockroach is there, what his backstory is, what's going on with him, like you're saying, what his place is. But it is just another fun, extremely weird detail with the world. And also that he can talk to rats is... No uh, ha Hannibal Lecter either in this episode. Which was maybe cool. he'll Hamable. show up again. Hannibal. we got to keep our eyes out for Hannibal Lecter. Um, I really like, while we're talking about Nurnheim, I, I really like the way it is like where the, the super villain is like take like killing the world essentially from there but it's also a spot where cliff gets to be cliff and be like what over and over again <laughs> yeah and and learn some stuff about himself and about jane uh while they're just waiting for the world to end i also two other details that i'll mention about nurnheim that i think are pretty great one i did not realize that's the last episode but mother archon is enormous that's something that just sort of comes through when her head reaches out. And I was like, oh, that so cool. literally changes the perspective on the scene and what's going on here. And then also the idea that it's not just metaphorically in a snow globe, but actually in a snow globe uh, is a fun, weird detail as Which well. Which had to be hard to shoot, you know? Mm -hmm. You got to Tiny cameras. Yeah, tiny cameras. Uh, what I was going to say is um, Nurnheim it's such a like 80s movie place. And I feel like it's shot really well. It's very like labyrinth. Um, I was thinking Beetlejuice kind of, but all right. Yeah, I, but I think it, all of those movies sort of work in there. Yeah, and like we mentioned, I loved the lady from the Insane Asylum who shows up. She Marilyn. Marilyn. She has this amazing line where she says, "I oh, she says, you spat, spit in the face of God. And she says, lady, the only God I worship is Springsteen, and I've <laughs> spat in his face twice. Great. I, now that's a story I want to hear. So you don't hear about people trying to spit in Bruce Springsteen's face very often. It's so good. It's such a good line because we already know exactly who this character is when she comes in, but giving her this detail and backstory through one very funny line is just 
really, really nicely written. Um, yeah. Just across the board, stuff like that. Like, I think it points back to the Ezekiel thing. And what's so fun about it is they have everything that's going on with the main characters. We don't know their entire backstories yet. We don't know how they interact yet, like you were talking about. But they're still taking time to throw in all of these details of the world that even if we never see Marilyn again, or if we do see her again somewhere down the road, they could have a flashback at a Springsteen concert in the background. She's spitting in Springsteen's face. That's the sort of thing that, like, at least you have on tap as a writer that you could bring back later. And it's just, it's enjoyable. I'm sure they tried to reach out to Bruce about this, and he was probably like, yeah. no, no, I'm good. Thanks, though. Yeah, subject line, spit in face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get, he gets a lot of emails like that. Um, I agree with you about the writing is so it's so confident. So like, we're just going to put all the stuff on the table and just keep going. And everyone's I'm along for the ride, even though I don't know everything about everything. I got to say in this episode, like having um, Mr. Nobody back as the voiceover, the unreliable narrator was just so much fun. Uh, I didn't realize like how much I missed it until it was like back and clicking again. And his just kind of like, quick commentary like a couple times he's like boring just hysterical well and he also like we were talking about with all this meta commentary he has this great line where about midway actually towards the end he says let's not turn this two-parter into a trilogy which is very fun because it definitely it i think that's also a writing thing if it feels like uh, we've done everything we need to do with this concept right now certainly they could go more with what's going on with the two eyeballs in the sky but it's okay we don't need to know more about it well just to break down sort of how the plot unfolds they're calder and nobody are in a void and they're like how calder's like we could solve this and nobody's like okay i want to be able to fuck up the world on my own terms yeah and so they go back nobody goes back in time and has jane start a religion so they can battle the belief the amount of belief that the uh, the uncreator has with the recreator uh wildly complicated idea and then i think they make fun of themselves when they're in the insane asylum and all the the inmates come up with a wildly complicated plot to uh, create the recreator. And that's where you get the dog and the bell and all that, which is super fun. So I feel like this this episode sort of folds in on itself in such a funny way. It almost feels like the insane asylum scene was probably how they were talking about it in the writer's room. How do we get out of this? Well, if it's just a person again, that's the same thing. It should be something different. Oh, what if it was a dog? Oh, but then what did you just see the writing on the dog? What if it's invisible? How do we get out of like it's just it's solving these problems as you're working through it, but it's very funny the way that it's executed. Also, yeah. cute dog. Very cute dog. Cute dog. And really well groomed, I thought. Mm-hmm. Particularly for that dude who they tackle. Yeah. Seems like he doesn't groom a dog well, but he he's gotta spend a little more time on himself. And his own well, look and not just the dog's look. You know what I'm talking about? And yeah, a hundred percent. And especially a guy that has so many tattoos that don't match up at all. Oh, that like, was hysterical where they're like, they get them and they're like, no, this is just a douchebag. Oh my oh, God. I lost it. It's, yeah. it's, it's not the, it's just a douchebag who has crazy tattoos. Like that was so fun. Why don't we talk about some of the other characters? Rita has a big arc here. She continues to try to be more heroic, be more of a person bond with Elliot, even though he is immediately decreated. That scene. That was, was funny. Uh, that was funny. That got me. That scene. But he was really. 
it, I, it was funny, but it also like it the timing of it, like the fact that she was really she's been making moves, changing for the better, is really almost gets him to be like, yeah, I will be happy. And then he advanced. Well, what's funny is she's like anything you want, and he gets this look on his face. I was like, uh oh, is this gonna get weird? And then he's immediately like taken away. <laughs> perfect timing, really. If funny. you had nineteen minutes to live, what's the one thing you would want to do, Pete? Well, I mean, how close are we to like In and Out Burger? Like, you what is anything, you're, you're anything you, mean, you like, want? Literally, In and Out Burger. Wow. Well, I'm just wondering, like, where we are in the world, and like, what's at my. You can get you know, anything you want except for In and Out Burger. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll have to go with Carney's on Sunset then as my backup. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, oh, I guess I'll just die. I'll just kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> Nineteen minutes to live. No In and Out. Bang. <laughs> oh, okay. You want to enjoy the last 19? What about you? Last 19 minutes, Justin. Oof, 19 minutes is a weird amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not I enough can't... for drugs to kick in, you know what I mean? Like you don't even have... Right, right, right. I guess I just watched uh, the first 19 minutes of the new Batman movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, the part where his parents die in the alley. <laughs> I've been dying to hear how that goes. <laughs> Is she wearing pearls? What happens to oh, the pearls? My God. It's just supposed to be a new take. Let's see if yeah. she's wearing emeralds or something. I think I'd probably go to New Orleans Jazz Fest at the Jazz Beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Theater. Probably get a cup of gumbo. Just I really hope sit down. Matt isn't listening to this episode because that's got to be really upset. <laughs> Also, did you say it was the New Orleans Jazz Festival at Jones Beach? Yeah, yep. yeah, he doesn't. That doesn't know. make any sense. <laughs> I'm glad you finally caught on to this bit. Uh, great, great stuff. I did also really like the line from Willoughby early in the episode. I think it's Larry asks him how much time do we have left, and very seriously, he says 19 minutes. And Larry's like, wow. And then he says, I don't fucking know. And then yeah. just runs down, and his stuff starts being decreated. Overall, very fun. I know we t- joked about it being discount Constantine on the last episode, or at least I did, but very fun character, and yeah. Mark yeah. Shepard is great in the role. Yeah, the whole I hope I never have to see you again, my friend, was really just very touching and hilarious. Also, I love the trap that Mr. Nobody sets when Niles goes back, and it's, you, if you say his name, he barfs. That's such a gross, yeah. hilarious, weird thing. It's just really funny. That's a great prank I want to pull on one of you two. Oh, that would be fun if we say your name maybe we throw on yeah okay. yeah hard for you especially alex mm-hmm. wait why because i feel like you say my name more than pete yeah that's oh. true that's very true justin <laughs> <laughs> oh you already oh. did it <laughs> oh. stop stop Gross. one thing that i did want to mention about this episode that i think is interesting based on the previous episodes is I don't mean this as negatively as it's going to sound, but it feels like there's so many mm. characters in the show right now that at least one kind of falls by the wayside every episode, is just sort of there while everybody else is getting significant plot movements. How dare you? For this one, I think it was Larry Trainer. We yeah. get a little bit, but <laughs> you're ridiculous. That's mean. It's very mean. Uh, Larry Trainer, who we don't find a lot about this episode, he kind of sits back in the bus while everybody else is doing their stuff. He gets a really nice conversation with Niles Calder on the bus, where we do find out, as we suspected, that the negative spirit wasn't saying he likes to torture Larry, but in fact, he is tortured because Larry, Larry is tortured. Yeah, um, I have Larry. That's really, yeah, yeah but that's really negativity. the only bit we get in the episode, I think. 
Yes, um, but I, that at least was a, a little nugget moving forward. I th thought that Cliff sort of got short shrift here. He just does a lot of like, what? Um, well, he like does it earlier. so well, though. He and does. It's hilarious every time. 100%, 100%. But in our in the montage at the end, when they're like checking in with everyone, it's just him holding up a picture of himself. And I was like, yeah, we know. We know you want your face back, dude. <laughs> like we get like... I, I wish that because he had his daughter's phone number. He threw that away, and now he's back to just looking at his his picture. It no, feels no, like but backwards you what you missed is he was scratching the daughter's in the picture, and she's cut off, and it's her shoulder, and so he's scratching her shoulder. It's not he's oh, like, like looking at himself. He's looking at it's a picture of the two of them, and she got cut out of it. You think it's a scratch and sniff photo? Well, I think he's misses his daughter, and he that's the closest he has to a picture of her. Justin, have you? Sorry, uh, have you done that for your kids? I got scratch and sniff photos of both of my kids at once a year, so I can smell the different smells. As hundred percent, especially my kids are pretty young, so they are smelling great. I want to remember every single smell. Oh my god! Uh, uh, we do get the. Speaking of random characters, we do get the return of the blue horse head, uh, which was Baphomet. Fun. Real attracted to cold time. Mm -hmm. I want to know. This is another thing that I actually think does imply a lot of backstory there. Like stuff happened yeah. back in the day with that blue horse head in Niles. It was probably sexual in nature. Don't and we don't, don't know what it is. Yeah, a little B, so, little B U C. <laughs> it was probably Unicorn. a bunch of blind men feeling around, and well, you know, you know the rest. Oh my God! Who are you? Um, well, and I think we do learn a fair about like Calder's sort of uh, his reappearance. We get to learn more about him, um, his secret relationship with Baphomet. It, he's has more of a of a James Bond energy to him yeah. this episode. He's walking, obviously, yeah, and uh, James walk. Bond famous for walking. <laughs> famous yeah. I'll have my standing martini <laughs> shaken, not stirred. Why you say standing? Because uh, a martini is a sort of a drink that stands mm -hmm. uh, oh, in a lot of ways. Uh, but he, he, everyone's trying to protect him. He's the father that is sort of not giving them what they want. The great sort of team shot of them all together and they can't protect him. Like he is coming into focus a little bit more. He's much more clear with some of the secrets that he has. The fact that he has secrets. Oh, I thought there was more to that. Yeah, it seemed <laughs> no, like you, you ended on an up. No. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. really were, and then just kind of. Well, I, I, I think I said a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. I mean, it's just, it's just one the of way yours. you ended it. See, I mean, you know, on this podcast, when you're done, you say, "I seed my time." Uh, yeah, exactly. Reclaiming right. my time. Nope. And now over to Pete for sixty seconds. Timer <laughs> started. <now>. Great. <laughs> I really like the weak sauce, Mister. When uh, Jane's getting what's happening explained to her, it was really funny. And I also like it was like a pamphlet about how the recreator and how she's going to kind of like save the world. I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah, well said, well said. Um, yeah, I I just think that overall, like the cliff stuff was small, but just really well used cliff moments of like, what the fuck you can walk like just, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, sure. Not as much, but still used perfectly. And then the two eyes having a staring contest and then they kind of evaporate at the end. I thought was enjoyable. 
Uh, what uh, about real the fact quick, that he sorry, was driving? Pete still has another 17 seconds to go. Oh, go thank ahead, you, Pete. thank you. Yep. Um, what do you want to use with your last 17 seconds, Pete? <laughs> oh my uh, God! Uh, do in and out, or just kill yourself? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll just kill myself. Yeah, I'm not close enough to an in and out. And that is time. All right, yeah. over to Justin. <laughs> uh, great, Alex says no time. Traffic cop. Uh, well, why he was Calder able to drive? Is, is the idea that he's just lying about being in a wheelchair? You can. There are cars that are outfit. Yeah, exactly. For the driving, gas and stuff is up here. Use you can use, yeah. But, yeah, but I didn't see any of that extra stuff on that car. I mean, dude, seriously, you're gonna get all like, uh, you know? It's not. I'm more pointing to the fact that Calder seems like he does is playing a part when he's okay, doing the here let me bring in cinema sins into the stream so you can complain to them about this little gaff <laughs> no that's not what i'm show. saying i'm saying yeah. i think i think it's a, a, a eyeballs can't be in the sky that doesn't yeah. make any think, sense yeah. i think it's a character point being he is being different people to to a different person to all these different people to fill this role and sure. we don't know the actual truth about him yes i don't think he's lying about that in that case i think they just did not have the pedals up there on this particular vehicle uh, more than anything um, i did want to ask we haven't talked about cyborg at all who doesn't really also have a very big role in this episode but does have a big role in the end as mr nobody blows up his arm he ends up calling his dad automatically because of uh, I think it's Cliff. Cliff the pushes button, the button, which he does not. Yeah. So, what do you take away from this? What does this mean for Cyborg going forward? I think maybe it's Cyborg's getting kicked off the team, or uh, maybe his dad like wipes him and starts fresh or something. Because like the way he's reacting seems like it's uh, it's a bad going to be a bad scene for him if his dad shows up. I, I mean, I think it is. What we know about his dad is maybe it's menacing, not great. It feels, though, it's it may be more like he just doesn't ever want his dad to help. And, like, it just shows that he's not ready to mm-hmm. be on the Justice League, to be a, a, an adult superhero or whatever. Uh, but he was very scared, so I am curious. Just calling his dad, because then later in the montage, his dad just calls and he declines it. And I was like, oh, that's it? Yeah, exactly. Just a phone call from dad that you can just not answer? Because that feels like the stakes were a little high when he had the old neck button lighting up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to point out, Justin, that when I, when I saw the two eyes in the sky, I wrote, Justin was right. Fuck. Wow. <laughs> that's that's an honest note. Well, let me say that the one thing about the cyborg button reminded me very much of that great um, Triumph the Insult uh, dog bit back on Conan back in the day when he goes to uh, the Comic-Con and there's a guy in a Darth Vader suit and he goes, "What are these? which one of these buttons do you use to call your mom? And uh, I was like, that's the button right yep, in the neck. There you go. Mm-hmm. Except calling his dad. Any other moments of the episode that particularly jumped out at you? I'll mention, I love the line from Mr. Nobody. So I've no L. Ron Hubbard who has the time. Very yep. funny. Great. Uh, anything else that... You guys the, want to mention? the song Ring My Bell was hysterically playing, um, you know, for the whole kind of end of the world uh, dance. Right on, the, right on the nose. Yeah, I thought that was really fun. Um, the whole sequence where the guy's like, the nickname, his nickname was Teeny Weeny Peeny. Yeah, that was. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a but tough that's his name mom for a saying that to him. That had to be rough. That's what I'm saying. That's a 
even a schoolyard bully nickname that's pretty harsh to have it coming from old mom it's not not what you want and the opposite of a bc which was um my high school nickname i (laughs) (laughs) i also really like the personality dr harrison is uh yeah pretty terrifying but i think uh diane girl has uh, portrays it really really well like it's very intense not yeah. just because of the contact lenses she's wearing, but the way that she carries herself and the way she delivers the line. So one of my favorite personalities that she's done so far in the yeah, show. For sure. Fully realized, yeah. Yeah. Uh before we wrap up here, who is most doomed this episode? Justin, let's go to you. Who is most doomed this episode? Well, Elliot for sure, because I feel like that's all we've seen and we're going to see of him after having two episodes intensely focused on him and his emotional journey. Feels like he's just a later dude. Mm -hmm. I'll call out Niles Calder as being most doomed. Just we find out a lot more about him this episode, but he's clearly being tortured by Mr. Nobody. He goes back there. Mr. Nobody is not done with him or the team if you want to call him that by any means. So he's in big, big trouble, and I think it's only going to get worse. Pete, what about you? Who's most doomed? Vic, I feel like uh, that button on his neck was the ejector seat, and uh, I'm worried about his future on the Doom Patrol, because once Daddy shows up, all the fun with your friends is over. Mm, Sounds like Uh, there's a backstory there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Pete, When how often is your neck button pressed? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. No more in and out for uh, Shifty. Uh, One other thing I just want to just reiterate, walking out of this, it feels like everyone's doomed. Um, As a first-time viewer of this, it feels like um, Morden is a tough villain. Like, the absolute power, the absolute recklessness, doesn't care about anyone. But doesn't know everything. But doesn't know everything. Very curious to see how they're going to sort of uh, work their way through um, his next big plan. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the podcast Podcast, excuse me, at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. And as always, we're going to end this episode with a piece of advice from Pete. Pete? Take it away. Uh, mixed drinks, not messages. Wow. What? <laughs> That's good advice, but unrelated. <laughs> you got a good fortune cookie last night, Pete? That's right. Oh. Eat as much Chinese food as you want. That's two pieces of advice. Save it for the next episode. No good. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 